This is Bees Pod and this is High Five. And then, and then the Neop in the off season for 2007-8 sort of curtailed a lot of that season for you, really, didn't it? Only to feature in 11 games. Did you were you expecting that by the time you got to the end of the season, that was going to be it for you, Underhill? Yeah, that that injury was happening pre-season, uh, in the off season, getting fit. It was at the back of Underhill on the pitches at the back. Yeah, runs and my knee tweaked. And I thought, oh, uh, so I rested for a couple of days, and I thought it felt right. Then I went back out and did another one. And the, the, the worst thing you want to do is ring up the physio in the off-season and say, I think you mentioned <laughs> Hopefully, if I rest it until we go back, I remember literally it was five minutes into the first warm-up. I thought, this is a bright, this felt, and um, I, needed a, I needed a knock. I got the off done, come back, and uh, couldn't get into the team, so I went on to AFC Wimbledon. But uh, like I said, I wasn't right mentally at the time. I wasn't right physically at the time. Um, but I went there just to try and get some match fitness. Um, and never really got into the team at all that year uh, didn't really start much and then how it all ended I was disappointed in how it ended how my Barnet career ended was, wasn't great I remember leading up to the last game of the season I remember reading on the website that I'm being released not being told by the manager of the club just I read it on the website and I thought I deserved a little bit better than that you know um, and then I think the last game of the season uh, at home was Stockport, Stockport maybe my last home game I can't remember who it was it might be Stockport it was Stockport um, and I remember in training that week I remember Paul pulling me to say listen I know it's your last home game but there's no sentiment I want to go and win the game so I'm not going to start you and I thought oh okay thanks for that you know fill me with loads of confidence um, and it's not as if you're going to go win the playoffs or yeah. get relegated. And I felt I felt really let down with that comment, you know, because no time for sentiment. And I thought I've known you for a long time, Paul, long, long time. Um, so yeah, I remember coming on for about five minutes at the end, um, which was I, I felt really emotional that day. Really did. Fans were fantastic. And then my daughter being there, um, and it was sad to say goodbye to people. Really sad. After that short, very short spell at Braintree, was that just um, a little bit of a gaining match fitness because you still felt you had plenty to offer for somebody? Um, yeah, listen, it was, I got hit big time with, uh, I look back now, that was probably mental illness stepping in, lost a lot of confidence, um, I've not played no football, so you think you're going to get club and nothing really materialised. I went, went to Crawley with Steve Evans uh, in pre-season. Didn't really enjoy that. Yep. So I went to Braintree as a little stopgap. And then I went to Dover uh, with Hesse, which was great. Oh, yeah, and great. Tyler again, yeah. Great time. Great club. Um, played some great football. And we won the Ryman Premier, I think it was, at the time, that year. But at that, And that was the end of my football career. I took a nasty whack to the head. Um, and I remember finishing the game and I remember coming home and my mum was in my house and I remember her dragging me saying, come in. She put the light and looked in my eyes and went, right, you're going to the hospital. Mm. I remember what, what's the matter? She went, you've rang us eight times on your way home. 
it's taken you two hours to get home. You should have been home an hour ago. You've been worried to see your dad's been out driving around looking for you. Where, where have you been? You've rang, you rang up and said the same thing on the phone every time. And I went, what? You know, your game to that. And I couldn't remember nothing of the game. I couldn't remember teammates' names. And obviously, the panic sets in then because you think something's wrong. And I got in the hospital and it was obviously concussion. But thankfully, because I wear lenses, um, every six months you go for like a lens check. Yeah. And my lens check was literally two or three weeks after the whack on the head. And I remember she's there doing the check and in you know, the bloody air and doing the check. And when they say, oh, wait there, Mr. Brett, you just need someone to come in and look at something. Right. And, and then, you get, then you get another person coming in to say, yeah, let me have a look. And you think, oh, this isn't right. And she said to me, have you taken a whack to the head or anything? You've had some trauma. I went, yeah, about two weeks, three weeks ago. And she went, all oh, right, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I play football. She went, pardon? I said, I play football. She went, no, 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 you can't. You can't be playing football with this, what I've just noticed. We, you need to see a consultant ASAP. So um, I went to the Spire Hospital up in Bushy. And I remember being in, in shirt and trousers in the waiting room and went to see the consultant. He did the same tests and he said, your pressures behind your eye are really high. So I told him again what I, what I do for a living. He said, yeah. you can't be playing. He said, uh, I, want, uh, I want you to do something for me. He says, I want you to go and do a jog. Go and jog outside. And I'm expecting a treadmill. He went, no, no, I want you to go outside and run for 20 minutes and yeah. come back because you're going to hit the pressures after you've run around. So I remember going outside and running. And it was pouring down with rain. I'm in shirt, trousers and shoes. And uh, when we're coming back soaking wet in this private hospital, people look at me going, <laughs> <laughs> this soaking wet. And um, he tested the, the, the eyes again and they doubled the pressure. And he said, and that's why you can't be playing football because if you take another whack to the head, the pressure's that high. The optic nerves will just like shut down. So it's entirely up to you what you want to do. You can carry on playing, but the risk of losing your sight is is very high. Um, and like I said, I was I was 34 at the time. Uh, I was probably not in a great place mentally either. Um, and if it had been my ankles or my knees, I probably would have carried on. Yeah. But you don't mess around with your legs. And you know, I just had twins at the time as well. And I thought, you know what? I've got to, I've got to knock it on the head. I can't take that risk. You know, I can't take that risk. And that was it. That was the end. Was what it. went through your mind at that point when obviously they've said, you know, everything you've done for the last 20, 20 odd years, 25 years, suddenly no more? You know what? It's, at the time, I kind of, because I wasn't in the right place mentally, it was probably a little bit of relief because I never put myself through that. But then... As it sets in, you think, oh, my God, um, that is the end. You know, that is literally what am I going to do it. And the only saving grace I've got now is when I speak to my players that I look after and they're coming to the end of their careers and they say, I've had enough, I'm not going to play no more. I always say to them, play until you're told you can't play no more. Because the one saving grace I've got is I was told I can't play. Yeah. So it wasn't because I fell out in love with the game. It was because I was told you can't do it. If I'd retired because I fell out of love, I think it affected me more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but it's still difficult, difficult to, it's a thing you love. Even running, I couldn't do no running. Pressure was too high. I had to really be careful for I had a big operation. They laid holes through my pupils to release the pressure. Um, so quite a big, big op. Yeah, difficult, difficult time. And 
obviously we mentioned before we're going to have, have a chat about mental health and men's mental health is a very big thing at the moment we've seen the programs on the tv recently prince william harry's heroes with paul merson coming through um yourself you've suffered with it um i obviously had a chat with you on thursday as well um it's had a little impact in my life as well for you going back to when you were at bristol rovers and you sort of almost fell out of love with the game a little bit then looking back now would you say that was when it was it actually started for you but you didn't you didn't notice you weren't aware of it you didn't want to be aware of it um yeah i think you're right i think at the time there's a real stigma about mental illness i think it's got a lot better now because more people are talking about it um at the time no one never did you, you never never mentioned anything um, it's just a, a, my career has never been a nice even kill it's never been a nice level all the way it was either really full of highs or lows injuries or anything you know so I, my emotions were always one or the, the other um, and it's only now where I'm, I've had help where you look back at those moments and times that you had and you think that these are the bits that have been building Building up, building up, building up, and I say, yeah, that was definitely a time. Bristol Rovers for sure. Um, the, the, the year my uh, my first year after we won the league, my daughter was born. That was a difficult time for me. Um, my wife suffered with bad postnatal depression, um, so my mind really wasn't on the football. You know, I had, a, I had a brand new daughter at home with my wife who was struggling, um, so your mind just you don't care about what's going on the pitch. You know, you just want to be home. Um, and then my final year at Barnet probably was difficult. Lost my granddad, went on loan, injuries. So these are all little things that through the help I've been getting that you talk about. And they just accumulated until one uh, one afternoon I got a phone call from PFA to say, you know, Bratz, PFA here, I'm here, you're struggling. I thought, how does he know that? How do you know I'm struggling? My wife called us worried um, and that tells you something when your wife has to call up because I, I was all over the place all over the place so really really difficult time and if I'm honest they weren't, weren't good to PFA didn't help me at all never heard back from them um, and I remember my wife calling them about six months later saying you know if this was a premiership player would you be helping him and all they kept saying was they haven't got the funds to help um, yeah they were didn't help me at all, and I'm open. I'm open enough to say it. Didn't made that first initial phone call. Um, all right, he said, "Call me whenever you want." But who calls people? You don't call people to say you're struggling. No one does. You know, we're men, aren't we? Well. We're not allowed. To, we're not allowed to do that. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, panic attacks, crying for no reason, away with a fairy. Just, and the worry thing was, at the time I'd come out, when the, and the real bad problems come out was when I was happiest. I started a new job, I was really happy, my kids, I loved it, perfect. And that's when it, and that's when it affected me, it was really strange, where it was the happiest part, I was really happy, and it was, it come out. And that's what really affected me. Um, but luckily, because of the internet, and a lot of players coming out at the time talking about it, that you, uh, you reassure yourself. And I've never been afraid to talk about it. I've, once people found out, you know, I tell people, you've got to talk to people. There's so many that have 
experience something, some worse, some less. Um, but it's amazing how talking to people makes makes a difference, makes a big, big difference. So even to do this now, going back, you get a bit upset, but I feel good talking about it. I mean, as I spoke to you on, on Thursday, obviously I said, uh, you know, a little bit, a lot, a lot of people will know, you know, haven't told a lot of people. Um, around, um, well, as I said someone this morning, one of the memories actually came up, but I think it's just saying to you before we started talking, one of the memories came up on my phone on Facebook, um, which was the time when I used to have a, have a delivery business working from store to door. I had to leave it and um, go to back into retail, which I'd always, always done for my life beforehand. So it wasn't too much of a, shape to do but within that six month period I had to give up something I enjoyed doing which was delivery driving went back to work into retail uh, three months after that second daughter was born about five six weeks after that I think was my dad dying um, he'd, he'd had health problems for years but came completely out of the blue really did so in that six month period obviously a lot of, lot of emotions different emotions going on um, and um, uh, it was it was it was a lot from a brain to process. Didn't process it very well, um, I have to say. Um, and um, I had moments. There was, um, uh, as I was telling you on Thursday, there's a lovely straight piece of road on my way to work to the range. Can get up to 50, 60 mile an hour on that road. There's a speed limit. Lovely brick wall sitting there along the way. And um, thoughts actually entered my head of actually wanting to drive into hit that wall. Not enough to do myself some serious damage, just a few days in hospital, just away from the whole situation of everything, which just kind of got on top. Um, I did get some help after that. Wasn't great, phone consultation, and it was pretty much, are you feeling suicidal? No, not really, not enough to harm myself, then you're okay, off you go. That was literally, you know, all the help you got, um, you know, on, on the way through, which, you know, from, from, from your point of view, from the PFA, um, you know, you're one of their members. It doesn't matter what the service is, they should be helping you. And when you see how many men are coming out with mental health issues today, you look at the lockdown of the last 12 weeks and what it's done, not just for men, for women, for relationships, for children, you know, there's going to be a lot more of it in the future um, and a lot more to come out, you know, in the next couple of months as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, talk to people. You've got to do it. Someone, someone's there to listen. I know I've got quite a lot of friends who, excuse me, who suffer um, mentally. Um, I do my best to try and check on them as often as I can. A message here, a message there. You know, it doesn't take you a couple of minutes to do it. Um, they may be having a good day. They may be having a bad day. But you know, just to know you've got someone there that you can talk to, someone that wants to listen, is massive for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, this. It's made a big difference talking to people because we've all suffered. There's a lot of people that suffer. Like I said, worse than me, less than me. People suffer different ways. So um, it's not, I'm very fortunate. I've got a fantastic group of family and friends. Um, Barnet friends, you know, fans that have been unbelievable for me during this period. Unbelievable. You know, bad dark time. You know, I mean, I lost my house because, you know, I finished football, there's recession, couldn't get a job for a year or two. You know, people like Janet, um, Jeff and Keith, unbelievable, you know, real friends. I won't forget how good they were for me during those times. 
I'm just going to pick up on one from a message from, from Wes, Wes Friedel. Um, having admitted a personal battle last year and seeking help, Gratz was one of the people who texts to offer his support after admitting it. Thank you, mate. So, um, yeah, it's nice. Wes is good. Wes is a good man. Wes, real good man. And uh, we're always there for each other. He was great at Underhill. Um, uh, good, good man. Wes got a lot of time for him. Like I said, that's three of us already just chatting here. So, um, there'll be plenty more and I think we've got this Bionic family like I said um, probably people don't realise that they're helping but they, re they really are you know even when I turn up at the Hive speak to people just want to chat about the games and I love it you know it makes you feel good it really does so all these people don't think they're helping they are just by stopping in the bar and having a chat means, means a lot it really does and actually while uh while Wes was the last one to mess message on there, I'll also give you his question as well. Now, but apparently, there's only allowed one answer to this. And the question is, what's the best, best pitch you've ever played on? <laughs> yeah, that, that Underhill pit was unbelievable. When I first joined, I think the old boy was called Barry. And obviously, Wes, always that pitch was up on a bloody slope. Um, <laughs> but the pitch was always incredible always 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 never you know so yeah where's well done yeah good question <laughs> okay um you did a bit of scouting for bristol rovers yeah right? that was, yeah yeah and then um a certain someone brought you back to barnet didn't they who was that yeah martin that was uh no, a I've got to mention my time in the community though. Janet was a lifesaver for me. Um, she knew I was struggling. Got me back in the community, which was unbelievable. Really, really good. I was you know, forever thankful for Janet for that. Um, and I loved it, you know. And Martin said I was blowing up balloons and doing kids' parties when he got me. You know, I was doing a bit more than that. I was doing a parcel parcel game. You know, I was in charge of the streamers. You know, so I was doing a little bit more. No, but listen, it was great times. and. Um, she worked, she's, she's only got Barnet at heart, Janet, and she wanted to do so much for the community and uh, difficult, really difficult. And it was real real eye-opener for me, working in that community side, see how difficult it was and, and not realise what's going on in your local borough with some of the, the youngsters in the estates and communities struggling. So to better help some of those and offer social inclusion courses of an evening to get them off the streets and put some sessions on was really good and you know and, and we had one superstar come out of that on Mauro Villette mm, you know he yeah. was uh, one of our own a real a real big find for, for, for Barnet he was uh, he used to come to our sessions and just great we really like running the show and, that, and, that, and they're through sessions that, that Janet put together you know so I owed her a lot and then I remember it was a 24th of March I mean, because it was the day after my birthday that uh, I woke up to some like, six or seven missed calls from Martin. And it was literally, Grat and this is by seven o'clock. And I'm, the first one was about 5.30 in the morning. And it was, Grats, call me. Grats, Martin again. Call me back, please. And, it, and each message got a little bit angrier with the voice. They to say, wind you up. You should be up. And, and uh, I remember ringing to Grats. Um, I'm coming at the barnet. I want you to be the, my assistant. Be at the hive in, in half an hour. Oh, Martin, I've got a job. Don't worry, I spoke to Tony. It's all sorted. You can come. Yeah, but she's, he's not my boss. 
Janet's my boss. Um, we'll sort it out. What are you doing? You only burn up balloons. Tell her you can't. So I remember ringing up Janet. Janet was like, of course. You know, you always want to do it. Do it. And that was amazing. That was a start of something really good. Working with Martin. Seeing a different side to the game. Um, his methods. And how he, like I said before, he galvanised a team that was struggling. Yeah. To pull off that unbelievable uh, survival that season when we were, we were well off. You know, we were well away from them. I'm doing it. And um, obviously, uh, he only lasted three games and then uh, into the deep end you went. Um, Berry away. How was the prep and the adrenaline working over time managing Barnet? Um, Martin called me the night before to say he's leaving uh, to go to Notts County yeah. and said, there's two options. You can either come with me or... I'll make sure Tony gives you the job. No, but he won't give me the job. He I promise you, he'll give you the job. I'll tell him, you've got it. You know what we're doing. This is the team we're going to play Saturday. This is how we're going to be. We have already planned. Straight after the game, you've already organised it for the following week. So I went, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And to be fair to Tony, he uh, he gave me the opportunity, be it um, by myself for one game, bury away. We were top of the table at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, listen, it's, you're managing your, your team, you know, it's my team. There's not many sort of managers out there that are probably managing the team that they love and take care in. And in your mind, you're just thinking, am I going to be the club manager that brings them down? Am I going to be associated with the person that relegated them? But it was an opportunity. I thought, you know what, Martin's done such a job of getting the ball rolling that we knew we had the players to do it. So we just continue this, this run. Um, and it was just that leading up to the team, to the game Saturday, but an overnight stay the Friday night before. And I remember thinking, am I going to wear a tracksuit and dugout, or is it a shirt and tie? How am I going to do this? I thought, no, I'm really superstitious. I'm going to stay as I was as an assistant. Short, sock, nothing changes. Same watch. Yeah. Same routine. I'm going to do the warm-up still like I did. Nothing's going to change. Um, and I remember 10 minutes into the game, I got a tap on the shoulder from... Harry Phillips, my sister, who said uh, we got a bit of an issue, Gratz. Um, can, I, can I just interrupt you there, Gratz, because I got a question from David Sims, and it says, no names, obviously, but what was the outcome of the police turning up to arrest the Bees player during the Berry game in 2011? Uh, nothing came nothing of it, but that was, the, that was the incident. I remember Gaz saying, Gratz, we've got a bit of a problem. And I remember looking on the pitch, you know, you're looking at players, Trying to work out who's injured, who's down. I've got guys who talking about. But no, no, turn around. I remember turning around. And Barry's dugouts are really narrow, really close to each other. And there's a little, little walkway, and there's two police officers stood there. And I thought, what's the matter? They, they want one of the players. Why? I don't know, but they want to speak to one of the one of the players. I remember shuffling back, and I can help the officer. He said, Yeah, we want whoever off the pitch. I went right. So why is that? So he told me. When um, I said, I hope you don't mind. This is my first ever game as a football manager. So we're in a relegation zone. We're playing the top of the table. I said, please. I said, I promise you now, if he, if he doesn't perform the next 20 minutes, he'll be dragged off anywhere you can have him. And he said that we need, we need assurances that he won't leave the premises because they want to press charges. Um, I said, I promise you now, once the players find out what's going on, you know, 
he ain't going to leave the premises. So luckily, um, he was allowed to play. It was dealt with after. There was nothing falling from it. Um, but that was like a welcome to football management. Um, that was one of many incidents during my time in the club where you think, really? Is this really what goes on? That you don't realise what managers have to put up with, coaches? Um, yeah, never a dull moment. That's just what I was going to say. Never a dull moment at Barnet, is there? And, that, and that's going back 20 years, 20 odd years I've been supporting them as well. Never a dull moment. And from there, obviously two good results, especially at Gillingham, at 4-2 win. I was really surprised when I saw that, but they played really well that day, didn't they? Um, yeah. And then obviously yeah. Accrington put it back in the mix and last day win needed. So you wake up on the on the final day, Port Vale come in. What were your nerves like in the morning? Well, the, the thing was, first, Laurie come in, didn't he? Laurie come in... Yeah. On the, we, I, had a, I had a call from Tony the Saturday night after Berry to say, come to the Hive Sunday. Um, I'm appointing a consultant for you. Um, he's a wind specialist in knockout competitions. And that's uh, so when I first met Laurie. Um, and then the Acton game was really, we were relegated at half time. I think even with 20 minutes to go, I think we were relegated the way scores were going. Yeah. Um, and then obviously going into that week, the last week, I, I knew we'd been at Paul out. I had no issues about winning. I knew we had enough in that team um, to cause problems. Marshy, you know, eyes all the way scored. Yeah. There was a real real buzz in training the last few weeks. There was real togetherness. Um, yes, I never, I, I never ever had a thought that we wouldn't win. My only concern was what's going on at Lincoln and all the shots, I think it was. And I'll skip that. Um, my only concern was that. So I kept everything the same. I remember the... I can't remember what program it was on TV. I wanted to do an interview with me and I refused because, again, superstitious. I'm not doing anything. I want to keep it the same. Um, and I remember it was a fantastic day. And the moment where you hear the fans roar, where you think something's gone on, you know, something's happened. And then all of a sudden you, you hear it and then all of a sudden your heart beats fast. And remember, we were only one nil up as well. So yeah. an equal, equalizer would have shattered everything. Yeah. Um, Hey, you know, and then the keeper Sam when he did that thing on his knees. Oh my God! But when he did that incident with minutes to go, when he messing around with the ball on the goal line, wow, going crazy. That was the longest stoppage time. Just went on for ages, and what a moment that was! To me, that was my best moment in football. Uh, even though I wasn't playing the game, just the whole buzz, being told that you're never going to do it. Uh, you know, you've gone into a situation you've never done before. Uh, that was a real, real to me. More than Lee RMI, more than winning the league for me, it was just that, unbelievable. Wow. For me, on a personal level, it meant yeah. so, so, so much. Fantastic. That was the second year in, the, in a row, though, that we'd avoided the drop on the last day of the season. What yeah. is the club became stuck in a rut at the bottom of the league? Um, no, but the Thing with, the thing with that league that year, so I'm just trying to charge my... I was going to say, yeah, you're jumping around all over the place. You there? No, your head's out. Your head's out shot. That's... Um, there we go. Um, it was weird because we... I think Laurie won manager the month twice that year. We'd mm. go on like a four-week... We'd win four games, then we'd lose four games. I think we had a great cup run. 
in the uh, LDV or whatever it was at the time. That's right, yeah, got to the area final, didn't we? Yeah, we, we, we had that, but you know what, that, I learned a lot that year, that told me a lot about management, told me a lot about the football club, um, it was difficult, trying to get players on the budget we had. You know, I, I'm in the agency game now, and I know what players are getting, and the budget we had is nowhere near what budget they've had the last few years. It's some of the money that players are on. Yeah. So, Artur Perna that year was on the same money that I was on eight years before. Jeez. You know, so we've not increased, I mean, with inflation, anything, it's not changed. So that tells you something. Um, trying to get players in who on seriously low money. And I remember, I remember Tony just kept saying, bring them to the hive. Let me see the hive. It's fantastic. And we're saying, Tony, players at this level don't care about where they're training. You know, they want money. If someone's offering them £150 a week more to go to, I don't know, Appington Stanley, they're going to go. It was, that was really, that was difficult. And that's why we used the loan, the loan system. We got Paul Downing in, Michael Hector, because we didn't have to pay no money for them. You know, clubs are doing it as a favour. Yeah. Um, we had injuries to Steve Cabber. Cabs on his day was would have been a great centre forward, but yeah. he had some injuries that year. On his day, he was, you know, player. Eyes would always score goals. Marshy, but other than that, we were sort of reliant on giving people. We, we were sometimes embarrassed to ring players up, asking them to come, because we knew we were nowhere near. And, and now I look now at what some of the wages are, and you think, wow, wow, you know. All right, we were still at Underhill at the time, so you know, being at the higher probably makes a difference. But you know, our budget was nowhere near, nowhere near. And that was my first year as assistant to Laurie as well, when I was getting to understand it a bit more. And it just wasn't. It was difficult, difficult time, really difficult time. Did that put you off management? Yeah, to the point where put me off. Uh, Seeing what's going on at the club put me off because how difficult it was. You're always fighting to get something, you know, is to get something, you have to get rid of something. And, you know, don't have a pre-match this weekend, have it on the coach instead. And, you know, like just little bits like that. Um, even some of the players, you know, as, a, as a coach and manager, seven days a week, it's not just train for two hours. You take everything home with you. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think it meant a lot to the players I'm used to as a, as a pro. There was no real sort of proper lead like an Ian Enden in that team, nothing like that. Um, I just felt it was a difficult time. It just wasn't, wasn't for me in my eyes. It just wasn't for me. And then obviously, and then again, Martin came back at the end of the season after Laurie had been sacked and kept, kept us up yet again. Yeah, that was... Um, yeah, he brought a buzz back again to the club, like he always does. I think we got, we got smashed at South End, I think it was. I think we got beat 4 0 at South End on Friday night. Yeah. Um, and then we went and beat Wimbledon 4 5 0, something like four that. Nil, home. Four nil at home. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously it was Burton away again, wasn't it? Burton away, yeah. Um, and Hughesy scored. So we've got a real buzz again. And that Martin really wanted a job. We were talking every day in yeah. that season, saying, I'm not sure. They want me back because of what's happened before. And, 
Um, we'll do it again, no grants. I'm like, yeah, you know. Something like Martin, I, I would do it because I know we'll do it properly. Um, and it went on and on and on, still nothing. And then Mark Robson got the job. Was it Mark Robson? Mark, Mark Robson, yeah. Remember he called me while I was in Spain. Um, sorry, there's a big thunderstorm outside. Sorry. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark Robson saying he's going to try and bring me in as well as his staff. Um, but I still had nerve from Tony or Paul, who was head of football at the time, still didn't hear nothing from anyone from the club, so I was in limbo. And then I get told with like two weeks before pre-season that, yeah, Grax, there's nothing here for you at all, not even as a scout, nothing. Nothing available. Um, that's it, and your, your last payment was back in April. And I was like, pardon? Yeah, yeah, because the contract finished in April. So I didn't get a contract, there's no contract. It was all sort of verbal, you know, no contract. So that ended really bad. That was that talk that really hurt me because it was like finished. There was no nothing from Tony to say thanks for everything, Gretz, but we're going a different direction. Nothing from Paul. It was literally see you later. And I, in my eyes, that's when I thought if I'm get treated like that at Barney, where I've known the club, I know the ins and outs of it. Yeah. I'm you know, sort of love without being beginning. What's he going to be like at other clubs? And I thought, I've got a young family. Is this really what I need? Although I love the game so much and I enjoy being out in the training field, this isn't, this isn't right because it's, it's not how I want to be treated. So um, I remember in my head, if, if, if a new career path was to come about, I'd take it. And I was at, I, was, I went up Danny Hunter at Boron Wood called me to go and speak to him and I remember being in the car park and uh, an old teammate of mine rang me who was in the mortgage industry and said no there's an opportunity do you want to do it and I just said yes really. and that was it eight years later I'm still there um, and it was the best move I've done yes I miss football immensely but I've still got the agency side of the game I can still go and watch games I love that yeah. we miss the buzz obviously but I don't miss that management side of it at all And that's it. We've come to the end of your career. That's it, all the way through. Um, but we've got um, got a set of questions. Yeah. Through from various different people. Um, so I work through those one by one. Um, Kevin Mullen dragged up a program interview you did back in two thousand and five six. So I'm going to ask you exact same questions of that and see whether they, see what we come up with against what you got now, a few years on. Um, obviously, we've got the Player of the Year awards to do, which will come at the end as well. So, well, we'll crack on. Uh, first one from Joe Fer Ferris. Who's the most talented player you've seen at Barnet, both as a player and as your short management spell? Jason Punchin. Good choice. Yeah, um, although he, he was so talented, but at Barnet, I still think he could have done a little bit more in terms of how he trained and stuff like that. You know, organisation of his of his self turn up early and bits and pieces, but wow, so much ability, so much ability. You know, Dino was good, Sinks and Nicky Bailey, but and Albert, a punch to me, uh, just you know, wow, really good for me, in my eyes. Okay, um, well, a couple from Lucy Walden. Um, 
I can't ask the best striker you played for in your career because we've we've been there and done that, and it's 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 undefinitive. Um, we know you wouldn't have stayed in management if you'd not changed career paths. Um, did you enjoy any aspect of management apart from the the game where we stayed up against Port Vale? Yeah, listen, it, being on a training field, you know, you're getting paid to to be on a training field every day, you know, and the banter in the football team is something that unless you've experienced it, you'll never know what it's like. It really is an amazing, even for the bad times, there's it's still a buzz on a daily basis. So yeah, there's great times. Don't get me wrong. Even in the, in the manager's office, there's good, good times. When you're winning games, there's no better feeling when you won a game on a Saturday afternoon, you're coming home. But I tell you what, when it's not so good, it, it is really, really bad as well. And it could, like I said, it's with you seven days a week. You know, players can switch off. And I found a lot of players did. They could forget about it. But then it's your club as well. Maybe it maybe hurt me more than others, but losing is awful. You know, not nice. And I, I, I took everything home with me. I did, unfortunately. And that's unfortunate how it was. And the last one, do you remember sitting in the main stand at Underhill and keep stealing her sweets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, next one. Uh, Mullis has just added one onto the uh, onto the comments page. What about your career as a dietitian for Hull City? Oh yeah, that was a great story. We, um, I was looking after a player at Hull City at the time. Yeah. And like you do in Facebook now, you check in where you are. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was the first game of the season against Leicester, Hull Premier League, and I put I checked in. And I remember there's a few comments come up and they asked, what are you doing? What are you doing there? And that's tongue in cheek. I put, I'm Leicester's new nutritionist and dietitian, <laughs> fitness coach. And I'll tell you what, Trevor, it exploded <laughs> to the point. I had to put an announcement the next day to say it isn't true because I was getting best wishes, uh, good luck for the future, can I have tickets, do me a favour, we need to speak to Morgan, blah, 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 da, 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 to the point where... I really thought that the Leicester nutritionist and that would get in contact with me to say what's going on because <laughs> I had about 300 messages of goodwill and best with it was just it really exploded it was, I'm like come on I'm the last person who should be doing that job <laughs> but it did it really did go mad it was a great story oh fantastic um, right one from Jim Collins um, who was the most influential person in your youth and professional careers um Listen, my dad gave up his weekdays, his Saturday afternoons, his Sunday afternoons, and took me everywhere. And I mean everywhere. You know, there's certain parents that aren't there for their kids because they can't do it or don't want to do it. But my dad picked up three or four of the boys every every session as well. Um, massively, always there. You know, never once moaned, never once told me I'm playing the game wrong. And that's what was so great about it. You know, you get some parents, some dads who... Yeah, think their boys should be, you know, in the Premiership. Never, my dad was never like that. He, he was just there, supported every time. Never mentioned only one time. I remember he shouted once when I was playing for Wembley. We were winning eight 0 and I think I scored seven, and I missed the chance. And I remember he went, "Draw!" I mean, give me a break. I've just scored seven goals. That's the only time he said something. Other than that, never, never. You know, it used to be kids used to worry about dropping the kids off and being the last one in the car. Your dad and yeah. Never. Yeah. Every week, every session. And now he laughs because I'm doing it for my children. 
I've got three children who love football and mud every day and weekends. You know, man. And he laughs and just says, see, see what you do for your kids? And he did. He was always. And even through my pro career, you know, he, um, at my games, he, had, he was having chemo and he had his chemo on him watching me play against Ipswich on TV. Even though it was live on TV, he'd come all the way to Swindon to watch me play. He's always there. My whole family. My whole family been great. I've got a sister who I've not mentioned her for 20 years. You never mention your sister in football circles no. for obvious reasons. So yeah. never <laughs> and every interview I've done, she's never ever got mentioned. So I'm going to mention her today. I've got a sister. Yeah. So um, and she's superstitious. If it passed school, she did the same thing every Saturday afternoon. You know, if she was painting her nails or whatever. I must have cost that's, her a full. That's an Italian thing, though, isn't it? It is. So she used to do that. So my whole family always good. My, my grandparents, my, I've got a fantastic family around me. Um, it, wow, you see that? Sorry, bit, bit of lightning come through the house. Um, and my friends, I've got a great group of friends, you know, who have never let me get go away with it and go crazy with it. Kept me down to my, to a level where I wasn't big time. Yeah. So I've got a lot to live thankful. Um, and like I said, a few of those are Barnet fans, you know, Jeff and Keith, Jeff and Keith especially. And another one from Jim, your favourite and least favourite away grounds? Accrington Stanley's a night, an awful place. Seriously, <laughs> you're getting changed in a, in a cabin, awful. And I, I think one, one, I've only won once there as well. That's horrible, horrible place. I've, I've never seen us win there. Awful place. Um, and the best is, is the best as well, you, you ask for? Uh, yeah. Favourite. Best. Obviously, Old Trafford was yeah. was, was fantastic. Um, in my career at Barnet, as you ask for. Either or. Well, that was it. So, either or. Yeah, it left the, the Old Trafford. Just the whole setup was, was amazing. Um, Lee Harrison has just commented the best roommate I ever had. So I don't know if he's trying to keep your best 11, which we haven't got to yet. You know, I don't know if there's room for him if he's not there, but we'll, we'll find out a bit later. Um, right, moving on to the next one. Um, craziest teammate you played with at Barnet from 19? I wouldn't say craziest in terms of the, the things he'd done. You thought, God, this geezer's like mad. He's not right in the head. I've got to mention, no, no, yeah, actually, was just strange. <laughs> um, there's a there's a player called Tony Taggart. Yeah, yeah, Tony Taggart. Yeah. Who his nickname Trigger? His nickname Trigger for a reason. Um, <laughs> he was just wonderful to have around. <laughs> a wonderful kid who yeah. just lit up the change rooms. Um, he was. He was just fantastic individual. Who have, you know, unfortunately, any any other season with us? He was one of Martin's signings, I think. Yes, he was, yeah, yeah. But he 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 was great to be around. Just a funny, funny, funny guy. And half the time, he didn't know he was being funny. So that's what made it even funnier. <laughs> bless him. Yeah, yeah, it was bless him. It was like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, next one from Howard Gunstock. Um, being a local lad, what's your greatest childhood football memory? What made it special? And can you remember some of the players you played with that went on to better things? My childhood's memory, mm. uh, well, as, uh, my early childhood memory was Paolo Rossi for me, uh, winning the 82 World Cup. Yeah. Um, 
I always wanted to be that sort of type of player. I always liked those sort of individuals like Gary Lineker, Paolo Rossi, the proper out-and-out goal scorers. I used to work hard being like, like they were. Um, and what was the second part of the question? Sorry. Second part of the question was what? Well, what made it special? What what players did you play with? So I'm assuming sort of when you were, you know, through my career. Yeah, you know, Wembley. Um, I see what I like. Gary Breen was unbelievable. Good, good player, Breeny. Really good. I was um, at Maidstone as an 18 year old, and you could see then, you know, head and shoulders above senior pros at that time. Good, good player. Um, I had played with Simon Davis. At Peterborough United. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Matthew Evington. Yeah. Um, they were only 18 at 17, 18 at the time, and they were, yeah, wow. Yeah. Really good. And then you obviously you got the likes of Punch and people like that. Um, Michael Carrick at Swindon Town. Oh, right, yeah. You could, cool. you could see he was going to be a player. He, he was, he, again, he was only 18, just a wonderful footballer. Made, made the game look so easy. Um, but yeah, the, the teammates that are, you could really tell were going to push on for sure. Um, right, one from one from Carla Devine. Um, what did it feel like exactly to keep us up on the final day of that season in 2011? Like I said, that was my biggest moment in football. Um, you know when people keep telling you that you're not going to do it, it's unachievable, and that's anything in life. You know, and when you actually do something about it, it's just added adds more to the euphoria. And it, and it really was. Um, not my wife will tell you that week leading up to it. I'm a bag, and I, I didn't want to be associated as the man who helped Barnett get promoted, and then be the man that got them relegated. I never wanted to be that individual, um, and that was my only fear. That that week leading up to it, and and people were so good to me. Grass, it doesn't matter. You know, Martin always said, when he first come in, Martin, in that season, he said, we want to be in it in the last game of the season. If we're, on it, if we're still in it in the last game of the season, we'll be all right. And we got there. I remember thinking that on the day. You know what? We, we're going to do this because he said, we're going to, on the last game of the season, we're going to have a chance. And, and it was. It was just an amazing, amazing day. Everything was just, well, really good. Right, um, one from Heathrow Snowman. Can you tell us more about your current relationship with the club? How you felt having the bar named after you and then changed, and what caused that? Um, you know <laughs> what? It was my 40th birthday. Yeah. My wife had arranged a, a, a 40th birthday surprise at the Hive, uh, and it coincided. She spoke to Tony, and Tony went, You know, I want to do something special. I want to name that bar. Gracioli's bar as well don't tell him and it was just unbelievable and I felt so proud to have listen it's a bar I know Tony wanted to do that a few years ago in the old pavilion bar was it that underhill yeah 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 he was going to name that at the time um a few years before and I I didn't really want to be associated with that at the time I was still playing football um because alcohol and things like that but the hive I thought was a great honor I felt really proud to have uh, had that opportunity and it was great going in there and seeing it. What was great was the bar people not knowing who you were. So um, even though your picture's all over the place and fifty six foot photos of you and I still have to pay for me drinks because <laughs> I didn't get nothing I didn't get nothing for free. 
Um, I thought Jeff or Keith would have land in their pocket. To be fair, Keith, yeah, but not Jeff. Yes. <laughs> um, but with that as well, it's uh, it's a club that I go to quite a bit. I've still got a couple of season tickets I go and watch. Um, obviously, because of, I, I look after players, I'm at other games across the country, but if there's a time when I can watch it, of course I will. You know, fans see me there. I've got a nice little spot there. It's nice going back. It's nice going back to see people like Darren doing well. You know, I've known Darren a few years. It's, it's nice. When you see people doing well that you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. It's an, I know Hardy works. He's got a club at heart. He really does. another one who, who's got fond memories of his time at Barney. So he really wants to, to make this work. You can see that with what he's doing. So fingers crossed what I saw, the couple of games I saw this year, really positive just before the lockdown, in fact. We looked like we, uh, we turned the corner with the introduction on the Callum. Yeah. It made a big difference. I think it's what we were, we were lacking. Um, and yes, yeah, it's a shame this has happened now, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we, uh, we'll hear something in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we can hopefully finish the season. And do you want me to finish the last bit of the question? Yeah, go on. Tell us more about your current relationship with the club. Uh, family and friends know the situation and what happened. I'm not in a position to say anymore, but it was just a, something that went on. That, um, but apparently, it was always just going to be a temporary thing, apparently. It was always going to be the Legends Bar, so I'll have to take his word for it. Okay. Um, right, next one from Keith Doe. Do you still have a collection of pepper grinders? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, right, next one from Love B, Gary Phillips. Um, he wants to know how old are you really? Because he's convinced you're older than him. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I've just turned 45. And to be fair, Gaz looked well last week on a, when he'd done the interview. He looked good. Yeah, yeah, yeah not bad. No, at all. he's one man. He's one man that should have never left the football club. Yeah. Yeah, agree. You know what? You know, I go to clubs. They've always got an individual that is part of, is through and through that club, and that's Gaz. Should never been allowed to leave that club. There should be something in place for him because he's loves the club. He's such a good individual. What a funny, funny man. People yeah. go to. I mean, he's just a genuine man who just loves the club. Got great banter. Um, great stories. Uh, obviously, he couldn't tell many. He told me, he tells me on the golf course. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? There's got to be a place for him. Quite agree. Quite agree with that. These literally, as I said, as I said two weeks ago. Obviously, Gary was manager just as I started supporting supporting the bit. Yeah. So you know, ideal ideal timing and great person to interview. Really great. Um, right, one from Reckless, um, and he's gone away from chocolate biscuits. So his question is: chocolate panettone cake or normal? I like, it's a tough one. See, I'm not a fan of panettone because I'm not a fan of the raisins in it. I like the plain panettone and then I put Nutella on it. You can buy a plain panettone, you see, so that's the answer to that richness. <laughs> yeah. Right, one from another XB, as well, another goalkeeper, Ricky Millard. Um, which of the managers that you played under throughout your career do you feel got the best out of you and why? Uh, God, that's loud, isn't it? That's loud, yeah. Sorry. Um, 
Martin, like I said, yeah. Paul was great. He got me to a point where physically, mentally, I was in a really good place. But I think from where I was mentally before I come to Barnet, Martin really pulled it round for me. And like I said, I was going on for the pitch. You know, I was I was the best, and that was just him. He really got the best out of me on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, I've worked with some good managers. I had Roy Evans. He was great. Um, Barry Fry, you know. But Mike, for me, just filled me with that, that confidence. Okay. Um, right, the last few I've got all come from Pete Williamson, who obviously you know very well, as do I. Um, what's your ethos on how the game should be played at League Two stroke National League level, i.e. skill, pace, height, etc.? And how would you set up your ideal team for that? You know what I wish I'd done? And I'd recommend this to all players now who are young. Go and coach a team. Go and coach an under-18 team. Because it wasn't until I coached that I realised what I wanted out of players and what I wanted my team to do. Um, I look back at videos of when I played and I would never have played me. Not the chance in hell. Now I know how the game should be played. I never would have picked me. I didn't do enough as a team. I, for me, it's all about legs at the moment, athleticism. Um, I want pace. It's all about pace, football. And I'll have a couple of players with that little bit of guy all Ben Shrevens, who find the past technical ability, but the biggest one I'd be looking for would be a leader. I'd, I, the first time it would always be an end, be an end and type, Chris Plummer type. Um, to me, they're the most important players because that, they run the change room, they run on the pitch. They're the ones who organise everything and they, they are worth their weight in gold. And I'd pay more for those individuals than I would a goal scorer because. Like I said, if you can get the change room right, half, that's half, half the battle, for sure. Right, next one from him. How's your golf handicap? It was good in pre-lockdown until uh, I haven't played yet. I'm a bit reluctant to go out. So um, I've just started a new job as well. So I've got to put a bit of work in first. I can't start going on the golf course just yet. But I got down to about 12, 13, right. I'd say. Right, and then following on from that, another one from Kevin Mullen. Um, talking, talking of golf, was out walking the beaches of County Cork earlier. My wee fella found a golf ball among the scallop shells, a yellow star, a yellow pro staff platinum four. Can you ask Gratz if it's his form from when he shanked plenty into the Atlantic Ocean from the tees of the best golf course he'd ever played at, the old head at Kinsale, and ask him if he needs Kev's cabs again for his next trip over to Cork when this lockdown malarkey is over, Tar Trev. Anyway, that was a. I've been very fortunate. The job I got, um, I've travelled the world. I've played on fantastic golf courses. My clients want to play golf, um, and I got the opportunity to play at a course called Old Head in Kinsale, yeah. which is cool. Okay. Um, and I knew obviously Ken Mullen yeah, lives over there now, and he organised the cabs for me, and we had a catch up. It was a uh, really good to see him. He's a good, good mate. Um, one of the first I met at Barnet, and obviously he was a steward at Stevenage, I think. I don't think many people know that. Um, but he, he did something. But um, good, good man. Good, good man. And we had some fun times, and still the best answer I've ever seen. Oh, that's ruined one of the questions on the programme bit. Damn, I was hoping he can come up with someone else, but no, it's going to be Mullers again. All right. Fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> um, what, was your, what was your own match day routine as a player? 
I'm very superstitious, very superstitious to the point where when I paid for Dover, I'd go through the same number over the Dartford Tunnel. Really? The, the bridge. This is, yeah. this is before. This is before now that you'd strike yeah. through. When you said the toll, I'd make sure I went through the same number if I'd scored. And sometimes they close them, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. I had nervous wreck. And if it was closed, I hated it. So I'm really superstitious. Do the same routine. I had my hair cut or anything like that. Underwear, sock, boots. I mean, I went through so many pairs of boots. I didn't score in the first game with my boots. I never wore them. So, you know, really, really superstitious. Um, life in the changing room. Obviously, you played under some some top guys, John Steele, Barry Fry, Martin Allen, Paul Fairclough, as we've discussed. How different was it with each of those inside that changing room? Totally, totally different. All totally different individuals. Barry, you had to make sure you covered your 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 clothes on the peg. He'll come in and just throw teeth and he'd tear you to pieces. Um, it's many a story I could say, but we've already done two and a half hours, so I won't. Martin, the same. But Mike, when you expect Martin to blow, he wouldn't. Right. You know, he'd sort of blow when you're playing well to get that bit more out of you. Yeah. Um, and Paul was just the same whether you won, drew, lost. Just really turned everything into a positive. Always positive, positive, positive. You know, yeah, we'll talk about it next week in training. We need to work, work on certain things, but... We did that well. We did this also three totally different characters, um, and all and all three have worked. Have done really well with, with what they've got, and they've, they've all known their limitations. Like Barry, like I said, Barry wasn't a coach. He knew he wasn't a coach. Yeah, he used to bring he used to bring coaches in all week. Barry really like top coaches like Phil Neal, the ex Liverpool fullback. Yeah. You know, great coach, legend, and he'll train us all week and set a formation up, and set pieces. And Barry will come in on Saturday and go, no, 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 change it, we're there for And you go, what? what? You can see Phil going, oh, my God, I've worked <laughs> so hard on this. Um, and that was Baz, that was Barry. You know, so all different, totally different characters, but all very uh, successful. Um, music's quite a big thing in changing rooms these days. Um, who chooses, who, who gets to choose it? How many arguments do you get over playlists? You know what, it's... There's always one individual in a change room who takes control of the music. It used to be like cabs and people like that used to come in and do the music or, I don't know, it's, some like it, some don't. You always have the Rocky Four soundtrack to get to get you going half the time. A lot of clubs did that. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of people got their earphones in as well now. Yeah. They've got, they've got their own music taste. So it varies. I've not been in a change room for a long time, so I don't know what happens now. Okay. And... What is life like as an agent for lower league players? Difficult. Really difficult, especially now for this period. Um, individuals use their money for mortgages, etc. They haven't got funds saved up. Uh, they all got that dream to be in a premiership. And they sort of uh, make them realise that you know, sometimes you're not going to get there. You've got to work harder with what you've got. Yeah. A lot of players at this level think you're a magician right. and you can get moves yeah. uh, and you, an agent is only as good as the player if the player's not playing well we can't do anything about it play well we're going to get the attention we can get teams in we can use you you know as, as, a, as a bit of bartering but how can you get moves if you're not playing in a team and this is why I say if you're not playing 
go and play somewhere. But you tell, try to tell a kid who's just been released from Tottenham Academy to go and play at Hemel Hempstead. Yeah. No. no, no, no. Why? Why not? No, it's too big a drop. But you're not playing anywhere at the moment. So he's, he's trying to get in their mindset and say, if you're good enough, you'll, you'll kick on. You haven't played no football. You haven't played men's football. What makes you think you're, you're, you're entitled to go into the championship straight away? It doesn't happen like that. So it's, it's, it's tough conversations you've got to have with players. Um, but it's all about work ethic for me. You give yourself the best opportunity. Then you can, I mean, I can hold my hands up and say... I mean, I played in the championship, the highest I was ever going to get to. Yeah. You know, I've got no regrets at all with football. I gave it everything I had. I was lucky, very, very lucky individual. And I just told players, don't look back when you finish your career and think, oh, funny, I did that. Funny, I didn't go out that weekend. Just give yourself a chance. You know, such a short career. You know, that young players, you want to go out drinking and girls. You know what? You make it, there's plenty of bars and there's plenty of women, there's plenty of houses to buy and cars to get, but work hard. These players at the top work hard to get there. There's a there's a, a comment, there's a column in the paper this week that Ronaldo went back pre season already, didn't he? Yeah, went back four hours earlier, he's fitter than he's ever been. Yeah. He's the best in the world. He's 35 years old, he's still working harder than he's ever done. And that's a testament to him, and that's what that's all you that's all you want players to do. That's, that's all the questions gone through. Just going to read you something else I got from, from Shane Gore today as well. Um, my thoughts on Gratz are, he was immense. Simple as that. On the pitch, he worked hard and you could 100% rely on him to finish any chances. Off the pitch, he was funny, great company and down to earth. Even when I see him now, he puts a smile on my face. Barnet legend. So, that's... Really? But yeah, Listen, yeah. He's, he no way he's saying that. I've not mentioned my Barnett eleven yet. He still wants to get in that team. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not having it. <laughs> right. Nice word, but I'm not having it. <laughs> right. Let me get my paper ready, and we'll go and we we'll, and we'll get this best eleven then, because I want to see who's made it. Go on then, off you go. Um, in goal was difficult because, like I said, Gory, people like that, and Lee Harrison. Yeah. Lee, Lee sort of come in towards the end of my career and end of his career um, and he was good but I'm going to go with Scotty Tynan Scott Tynan uh, yeah okay I like Scotty see my team is all about change room as well not just that's fine yeah you pick it how you want pitch, um, right back and captain Endo yeah right side is centre half Chris Plummer yeah uh a great pro. Left side is centre off, Simon King. Have you pinched this from Martin Allen? No, uh, why? It's exactly the same so far. Go left on. back. Left back was difficult because I I like Elliot Johnson. Yeah. I like Kenny Kenny Gillet. I liked him. Yeah, Kenny. Yeah. But yeah. For what Simon Cliff's done that year, um, that's a, a great kid as well. Just he just done his job. That's all I asked for as a fullback. A midfield three. Yeah. Neil Bishop. Yeah. Sponsored him. Neil yeah. was, to me, good player. Nicky Bailey. Yeah, sponsored him. Next one. And Dean Sinclair. <laughs> Didn't sponsor him yet. Um, three up front. On the right, Albert Adoma. Yeah. On the left, Jason Punchin. Yeah. Down the middle, Benjamin Streven. Thought it would be, yeah. Okay. Subs? Subs. So it'd be Harrison. Yeah. The sub keeper. 
I put in Yaks. Yep. And centre half club. Um, he's missed out, but three plums just that leadership again. Um, Richie Graham. Yeah. Uh, he's unlucky not to get in the team. I think because Punchin was outstanding for me, but Richie on his day that year, Richie was unplayable, wasn't he? Yeah. And what a good man! What a good good character. Um, Hesse again, change of room, leadership on the pitch. Come on. I've put Hatchy and Beadle. Yeah. Uh, I think Beadle didn't really get as praise as he did. I thought he made done well for us when he came in. He brilliant, yeah, absolutely brilliant, yeah. Brilliant, and he's a good man. I still speak to him now. Funny, yeah. funny guy. Uh, and I put little Gambo. Joe Gambin. He... No, Luke Gambin. Luke Gambin, yeah. I think he uh, he'd fit well in this side. Okay, that it, yeah. yeah. Very nice, very nice. I'll bang that up on the message board as well later with um, everyone else's I put up as well. So yeah, nice. That's a very, very strong team. The thing is, we've, we've had over the years some very good players um, that, that have come in from dropping down, that have, you know, come into the club from non-league as well. Um, Albert, you know, um, Nicky Bailey to pick two out. Fantastic. You've had the likes of Hendo dropping down, Hessen Tyler, um, you know, players like that. Um, I mean, I've got a blog, I've got a blog to do actually of names I've picked out of players like throughout the years that are, um, you would you would class them as a name because they've dropped down from where they are yeah. uh, and that sort of thing and um, you know not a lot of clubs can say that you know I wouldn't say as we go um, and Kevin Kevin Mullins just put poor Gory not even a sub he <laughs> <laughs> uh, be taking those words back now um, <laughs> Right, I'll run through these programme questions that were in there in 2005-06 and then we'll get on with the awards. Um, right, Indian or Chinese? Chinese. Okay, comedy or horror? Comedy. And I was going to go cinema or Netflix. It was cinema or DVD, but I thought I'll replicate exactly. So cinema or DVD? Oh, then you said it. Cinema. I like yeah. the night cinema, but with three kids now, it costs you that two hundred pounds to take three kids. It's difficult, isn't it? Difficult, isn't oh. it? I'm Netflix indoors now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jay Z or, or Oasis? I mean, how old are these? At the time, it's a bit. But I'm just saying, I've got no set genre with my music. If it's a good song. It could be anything. Country and western could be anything at all. Yeah. So, true of you. Well, you had both back in the days. So you going with that again? Yeah. Okay. Little Britain or Catherine Tate? Well, it's old, isn't it? When was that? 2005, six. It's appeared in the programme. Yeah. I like them both. They both made me laugh. But which one did you go for 15 years ago? Did I pick one? Yeah. Yeah, you said I like them both, but I'll lean a bit more towards... Little Britain. Yeah, you did, yeah. Um, PS or Xbox? PS. Uh, FIFA or Pro Evo? See, this is the thing. It's FIFA now, but at the time it was Pro Evo. Yeah. I'd you got say. FIFA? Uh, I'd say it's Pro Evo then, that age. But now, yeah, back then it was Pro Evo. But here now, I'd say FIFA. FIFA. Corey or EastEnders? Oh, I wasn't a fan then. I'm not allowed to watch Corey, for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> 
I think um, I think I put Emmerdale. I used to like Emmerdale back then. Emmerdale, yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I don't watch anything now. Okay. Um, right, worst dressed, worst dressed at the club. Oh, Liam Match. Yeah. Was it Liam Match? It was Liam Match, yeah. Um, biggest show off in yeah. training. Back then. Well, you can if 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 you came up with anyone else in the subsequent years. No. Barry Cogan you went for back in the day. Well, he was a greedy sod, yeah. He never... <laughs> um, laziest in training? Uh, how much time have you got? Well, up, up to you, mate. I've got all evening. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who would I have picked laziest? That's a tough one. Punch could be lazy. I should get annoyed with Punch because he had so much ability. That you think, come on, you know, you got something here, you can do more. Yeah. Um, who was it? You went frankly, Charles. Charles, yeah. <laughs> Charles. Um, your best mates at Barnet? Endo, Kingy, Strebs. Yeah, yeah, you had Hendo and Kingy. Um, dressing room jokers. Oh, um, Hesse. Yeah. Was a joker. And one more. Back then, 2005, though, six. Yeah, so think, think season before, though. Dino? Yeah. Uh, teacher's pet? Oh, Kingy. Yeah. Kingy, fair <laughs> Simon Fairclough. Yeah, Simon Fairclough, that's the one. Um, ladies' man? Back then? I'm trying to think which season he signed because he wasn't in the first two seasons, I don't think. He came after that. Nicky Nicolau. That's the one. Um, best answer. Well, we know who that is. So I'm not. I'm, 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 not, giving, I'm not giving him any more airtime. Um, the, the, the Ross huh? uh, dance floor. Not seen anything like it since. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He'll comment in a minute. I'm sure he will. Um, most intelligent? Lee Harrison. Yep. Least intelligent? Taggart and Achi. Taggart and Achi. He actually put the others, but... <laughs> oh, um, fastest? Fastest players? Albert. Albert was rapid. Albert was quick. Dino? Was that, was that that year, though? No, that, was, that would have been the year after. Year after? Albert, yeah? Yeah, it been. Who was it? Yeah, Dino and Anthony Charles. Yeah, Charles, you could shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, worst loser. Nicky Bailey. Yes. Um, favorite item of clothing. What was that? Favorite item of clothing. Black shirt. No, you had jeans and sunglasses. Oh, I like the sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> Favourite car? Porsche Carrera. Yep. Favourite TV programme? Back then? Yeah. Not Falls and Horses? No. Who was it? Soccer AM, apparently. Oh, early days. Tim Lovejoy. Yeah, yeah. 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 It went downhill after that. Yeah. Um, video game? Must be Pro Evolution, something like FIFA yeah. one um, last bit, right, the best bit you had, um, best footballer? 
Best footballer. Yeah, overall. Anywhere. I don't know, Maradona, Van Basten, Baggio, must be Italian. Yeah, he's Italian. Baresi. Gianfranco Zola. Zola, yeah. Yeah, I liked him. Um, Manager, also Italian. Oh, that would have been the year we won the World Cup. So that would have been the Italian manager, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Best place you've been to? Uh, Hurdle in Newcastle. Oh, no, sorry. Um, Mauritius. Yeah, Mauritius. Um, your favourite possession? What year was that? 2005-06. I would have said my daughter. Yeah, you did. And your favourite food? Oh, Sunday roast. It was a Sunday roast. There we go. But one, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to um, the awards, which pointed out to me today, um, it's eight years to the day that Dennis Signy OBE died. Um, Dennis obviously was great for PR for Barnet. Um, probably shielded Tony from a lot of flack in those days. Um, and I think something that the club has really, really missed a trick since he's gone. Um, the amount great. of... Sorry? He was a great man. Yeah, the amount he used to do this, you know, you can remember reading his stuff in the newspapers and everything before he retired from being a journalist. And yeah, the, the little antidotes in the programme were absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic. He got me burgled. He got you burgled? How did he, he manage put that? In the paper, he put in the paper, had one player of the year, and he's now celebrating two weeks holiday in Mauritius on his honeymoon. <laughs> and I come back to my house being burgled. <laughs> But yeah, he was a great man. Him and Pat, his wife, they're good people. Good Brilliant, weren't they? Brilliant. Brilliant. Right. On to the, if I can find where I've written them down, I'll put them somewhere. The unofficial player of the year awards we've done. Um, obviously, because the season finished a little bit prematurely. Um, so when you get, do I get results up on my phone? You can do, yeah. Yeah, I've got them written down. But yeah, as you're going to be presenting them, it would be ideal if you could see them. Um, uh, um, Sam Collins has kindly kindly put together a voting system um, and um, we had a total of 179 votes which isn't too bad because obviously not everybody's online there's nothing official about any of these it's just for a little bit of um, I suppose fun for us to do but to recognise the efforts that the players have made this season um, Gratz is going to talk us through and present them all and I'll just sit back and sip some water so, should we start off in the order you've sent to me? Yeah, 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 go with that. So, the first award is the Swedish Supporters Player of the Year. Um, and that is with thanks to... How do you say that? Hatter Trailberg. That's the one <laughs> in Hasselholm. And the winner of the Swedish Supporters Player of the Year is Scott Loach. First one in for Loachy. The Norwegian Supporters Player of the Year with thanks to Tor and Ping, Pingarok, is Simeon Akinola. Uh, now we come on to the most improved player of the year. In third place, with 15% of the votes, was Josh Walker. In second place, with 21% of the votes, was Simeon Akinola. And the winner is Che Alexander, with 28% of the votes. So well done. Reserve that one. Uh, who is the young player of the year? 
Third place, 7% was Mason Clark, DMC. Second place was Jack Taylor with 34%. And in first place, with 51% of the vote, Josh Walker. Uh, and now the clubman of the year. Clubman is the player who has contributed over and above to the club over a season and it could be based on the following aspects. Sportsmanship, effort on the field, play and ability. Um, and there were numerous votes for Callum, Darren Curry, Mauro, Elliot and Akinola. But the clubman of the year goes to Scott Loach. The Players' Player of the Year, which is always the award you want to win, because if, you're, uh, if your teammates vote you the best player, that's a hell of an accolade. Um, and this year, I'm going to thank Darren Curry for getting this organised for, for this time, which wouldn't have been easy. Um, the Players' Player of the Year is Scott Loach. Now we come on to the goal of the season. Um... In fourth place was Callum Reynolds against Boreham Wood. That was 11% of the votes. 12% of the votes was Jack Taylor versus Chesterfield. 13% of the votes was Josh Walker versus Ebsley. But the winner this year of the goal of the season with 35% of the votes was Jack Taylor versus Ebsley. Okay. Now we come to the Barnet FC Player of the Year. Um, Tight-ish, but um, one's uh, obviously well-deserved the games I saw, if I'm honest. Uh, in third place, with 21%, was Simeon Akinola. In second place, with 24%, was Jack Taylor. And the winner, who's won a few awards already, his name's been read out a few times, is 32% Scott Loach. So we've done the Scott. Um, always a wonderful white play to be voted the player of the year. By your supporters, so uh, he's had a good evening. Yeah, he's had a good evening. Scott, yeah. well done. Look, the games I saw, he's been, he was outstanding. Yeah. You know, Scram Stack a few years ago, but Scott has come in and made a real difference. Real good, good signing. Um, the only bar, am I going right through these ones as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only Barnet, Barnet FC supporters award. Um, it was not our place to be awarding the Leicester Fitch Trophy. However, we were keen that fans had the opportunity to nominate someone they thought had made an outstanding contribution to the club this season. And there was a unanimous winner. Um, and I've met this young lady a few times. She travels huge amounts of distance to watch games, even to what the guys train. There was instance this year where she's missed a, few, a, a game because the game was postponed and she travelled all this way um, and that is Carla Devine so well done Carla well deserved um, oh, I've lost them I've lost them well, that's well that, that was the last one the last bit was we we asked a, a, for um, some of the best we called them champagne moments of the season just for people to put some um little bits and pieces on there at, at memories for them throughout the season. Um, so Sam selected a few. Um, the Bees winning 4-0 at five on a Tuesday night. Wife went into labour and birth of son Charlie the next day. Uh, Darren Curry in the away end at Maidenhead to protect his shoes. 
Um, having a chat with Darren at Farsley in the Cup, a player I looked up to as a nipper, such a nice and approachable bloke and everything I could have wished for. Pubbing Nottingham playing the Darren Curry song on the jukebox after our 2-1 win. And the fans who bought the Farsley Celtic fans their drinks after the farce of yep. so many postponements for them coming down. Yeah, so, they uh, yeah. would have had their own. My actual, my champagne moment I put in um, was the last game we played before the lockdown, um, woke in away and Darren's celebration across the sodden pitch and passion after um, after that win, you know, way in front of the away supporters yeah. was, um, you know, something else. You can see the passion he has for the club, just like Gratz has got as well. Hendo two weeks ago, Gary as well, you know, Martin. Martin has his own affliction for the club as well. Um, and, um, you know, we aren't the biggest club in the world. We aren't the smallest club in the world, but there is you know, some, some good amount of people that have worked hard for the club. Janet, you've mentioned earlier, did a fantastic job with the KBA, the community, um, and everything involved with that. Um, and it's, um, it's a club this sort of size, you actually feel more appreciated than you do as just a number at a Premier League club. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping once we get back to playing, playing football, you know, Darren wants the hive to fill. Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't get everyone support and everyone should you know, be behind that push to get back to the Football League. Anything else Agreed. you want to add, No, it's, I think you're right. I think there's a real... You can't help yourself but be affiliated to this football club once you've experienced it. Um, it's a fascinating group of fans. Uh, I mean, one thing I didn't mention in, in my talk, I know we spoke for a long time, but one thing I really loved was the East Terrace and the songs coming out of the East Terrace yeah. when we played. Uh, people like Westy orchestrating that over there. And, That's you, know, you know, brilliant. Just great, great times. And um, and you meet these people personally. You meet them in the bar on the Durham Street after. And it's a great, it's a family club. Um, like I said, I've said in previous things, leaving on the hill was probably the right decision for, for reasons. But wrong in so many other ways as well. Um, there was a real spirit at Underhill uh, before the game, during the game, into the game. A real, you know, as if the soul was come out of the club a little bit. I know we had to do it, we had to move out, out of the borough, which I don't think was the right decision, but we had to do what we had to do. Don't get me wrong, the Hive is a fantastic, fantastic um, stadium now. Unbelievable what, what Tony's done there. Credit to him for what he's Produced it is fantastic, but Underhill with that special, you know, and I think the players who've played there and managed there, it had something. It added something to you. You know, you wouldn't experience anything else like that any other club you go to. It really was something special, um, and I'm, I was fortunate to be one of those players to have experienced it and to experience some really good times, both as a player and a manager. And uh, I want to thank the fans for all those years that I was there. Um, that made made me so welcome. Uh, and it's giving me my best memories in football. And like I said, a few are still very, very close mates of mine, and and I, I appreciate everything they've done. And and hopefully I'll see a lot more of you in the coming months. Hopefully once we're out of this uh, awful situation that we're. So thank you. Wonderful, brilliant. Thank you very much, Gratz, for this afternoon. Really appreciate no that. No problem. Thank you. That's it. That's us done on Facebook. Let me stop that one.